I'm living my life and no one's going to stop it. I don't live in a can't world, I live in a can world. And with everything, everything in the rainbow, everything in the LGBTIQA plus community, you can. You can work it, you can look on it, and you can let it get you down if you want to. But, yeah, it's not worth it. It's not worth getting down so much. Lift yourself up and look on the world. Take off those um, blinders and put on your rainbow glasses and have a look at the world because it's fucking incredible out there. What makes it incredible for you? Just, you can be free. You can be free to be yourself. Deb Chumley. I'm a cisgendered lesbian woman living on Yorta Yorta country. I'm the current president of Goulburn Valley Pride. I'd like to begin by acknowledging the lands on which this podcast episode was recorded, the Calitheban lands of the Yorta Yorta Nation, and pay my respect to elders past and present. I'd also like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the various lands on which you live, work and play today, and acknowledge that sovereignty has never been ceded. We recognise the important role that art has played on these lands for thousands of years and feel privileged to work alongside artists continuing the creative practice of one of the oldest surviving cultures in the world. Always was, always will be. This episode you're about to hear is with Lee. Lee uses the pronouns he, him and identifies as a gay man. Lee has lived in Shepparton in his whole life and describes the difficulties of growing up without role models and in an atmosphere of homophobia. This podcast describes incidents of family conflict and overt homophobia and if these are triggers for you, please take care. Let's hear from Lee. So you've shared your story before Mm -hmm. for a podcast. Yes. What do you think it is about your story that you feel that you want to share with, with people? I want to share experience, like being treated in a gay person's point of view. It was uh, like like there was this stigma attached. People treated you differently. People, people treated you like a social disease, things like that, yeah. So that's what you experienced? Yeah, yeah, pretty much so in my earlier life. You know, like I came out when I was 30, back in 2000, I knew I was gay probably since the age of five, but I didn't identify, I didn't... I knew something was different. Yeah, just looking at footballers and cute guys that walk past and things like that. Uh, Down in Melbourne when we were on holidays with my two sisters and myself, so, yeah. Did you have any sort of role models or people you could look up to to kind of understand that okay this is this is me this is who I am no no that was a struggle that was a struggle in itself it was um sort of you had to just keep a lid on it you couldn't you couldn't talk you couldn't um say anything you know when I came out people were going oh are you one of those you know and flicking their hands like a limp wrist that sort of thing and Oh, um, oh, don't touch me. I might, uh, you know, it's like a social disease. And it's like, oh, piss off, you know, really? 
Um, you know, you treat it as a social disease, but it's not. God made us who we are. He made everyone different and broke the mould and he's, he's um, made us special, you know. And if he didn't want us on earth, he wouldn't have put us on earth, I don't reckon. You know, um, that's coming from a Christian point of view because not a lot of people see that, you know. I'm, I'm, I know I'm different. I know within myself. I know that I'm, you know, uh, attracted same sex. What was life like for you before coming out? Oh, talk about having blinders on and and um, one-eyed focus sort of thing. And I had this like burst of energy, but I couldn't tell anyone because I didn't want them to know how I felt. It was only um, my dad who was very stringent, you know, like he found a stash of gay books and then he confronted me with them and um, sort of, oh, what's this shit? What's this? Oh, you can't be gay, you know, like, you know, things like that. And he kept on interrogating me, which upset me a lot because it's sort of like if I told him to fuck off and just leave me alone... That wasn't enough. He he goes, oh, um, you know, you you read this, and Mum would say, oh, you read this, and I said, how can you read to be gay? There's no instruction manual for how you be gay. Um, very 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 constrained, very destructive. Mm-hmm. I had to keep it hidden, like sort of. I I hadn't come out to myself, mm-hmm. and then. Um, the day, like, skipping through from five till about 28, 29, brought out a lot of things because I was uh, sexually assaulted and people said that I asked for it. And I said, no, I didn't. It was done by a professional person. So that didn't screw me any more of being gay. You know, that didn't do that. That was just a, a breach of my own body privacy and and um, neglect and that. A couple of years after that, had a big struggle with a court case with it. So, you know, and then one day, sort of skipping over uh, quite a few number of years because it's all, all just jumpy, but it's all relative, is I spent two days with a friend of mine who took me out to a cleaning job and she was lesbian and she goes, well, you either like dick or you like snatch, you know, and it's like, really? You know, she she held up two magazines holding one playboy and one playgirl and she said, what do you like? And um, I said, I like the guy, you know. like So after having um, nine tequilas, a Contro, and a couple of other drinks. We were absolutely sloshed. Uh, My friend, she said to me, yeah, you're gay, I reckon you're gay, you know, like... And when I admitted to myself, it felt like uh, 10,000 weight had been lifted. It was surprising to see where I could just drop everything. 
say this day when I got, uh, this night when I got drunk, I, I came home and I'm walking down the hallway of our house and sort of staggering it a little bit and I go, hi mum, I'm home, you know, and um, she looked at me sort of with big squinty eyes and she said, you've been drinking and I said, no, what gives you that idea? And it's sort of like, I'm just, I'm happy and everything like that. Yeah, she said, go to bed and wake up the next morning, you know. I wake up and I felt like I was on top of the world. No hangover, no nothing, no. Mum and Dad were in the kitchen and I said, oh, guys, I've got something to tell you. I'm gay. And... um Dad said, I don't want no poofter bastards living in my caravan, which was down at the lake. And Mum said, well, I had my suspicions. And I thought, really? Why didn't you say something, you know? So after that, it was a little bit of turmoil because I got a, a lot of flack from my father. And then my sisters, one sister who lives in Melbourne, she... Um, grabbed her gold mascara and put it on my eyelashes and in my hair and, you know, uh, said, this is what mascara's like, you know. You know, my my uh, other sister thought she could um, do a snap thing and uh, take me to church and get me, get me healed, you know. Oh, you're healed. You're no longer gay. <laughs> Bullshit. Press the buzzer, you know. Couldn't understand them, you know, but I felt a lot freer. I felt me. Yep. Did they ever come to terms with it? Yeah. Um, mum, mum, sort of, sort of accepted it because she knew that I was gay. She knew something was wasn't um, clear. My other sister, about three quarters of the way, but her husband's. Um, totally homophobic so you know it's like walking on um, scalpel sharp eggshells with them you know don't touch my kids oh you might be gay you know for fuck's sake no one unless they do the internal journey knows what it's like because like if yourself you're you gay you're gay you know like I can't tell your story because your story is totally different to mine. You know, like I had a um, very tumultuous time with my father because he turned around and said to me, you know, we were trying to move my uh, to a flat and he got so angry he um, broke up a couch that I had and he goes, you know, I didn't want you to be... I wanted a girl, not a boy... And I, I've hated your name since birth and I've hated you since birth. And I said, well, bad fucking luck, isn't it? You know, um, I said, because you've got a little bit of both. And a couple of days after that, I went to Melbourne and I changed my name. I changed my both names and just put in, um, I chose my... Uh, Lee is my first name and then my middle names and never look back. But uh, a lot of people will not call me by my new name and it, it fucks me. It, it fucking cheats me.
Sorry about that, but, <laughs> you know, I want to be Lee, I want to be me, and I want to be fucking free. really, yeah, I'm so sorry that you've um, had all that to deal with. Mm. Um, like you said, everybody's story of coming out is really different yeah. and how people's families respond is very different. Mm. Mm. So you're still here in Shepparton where, mm. you, where your family live? Yeah. Where? Oh, where? Yeah. I've only got one sister here now. Right. My other sister is in Melbourne and my two parents are dead. Did you and did your father and you ever make peace? Or did your father make peace with you before he died? I made peace uh, day before he died, day before. And it was like, I was about 42 and we sat down, he couldn't talk, but I got to feed him. And I said, now you can't talk. So I've got you in a spot where I'm going to say, you listen to me and listen to me well, because I'm not going to ever say this again. And I've said, I know you don't, you, you've hated me since birth and you've hated my name since birth. I said, but you fucking respect me. I said, I, I've tried to get along with you. I've tried to do all different things with you, you know, things like that and um, be your little man next to you. And I just said, that didn't work, nothing, nothing worked. And he held out his hand to give a thumbs up and I thought it was um, shaking, but I grabbed him by the hand and it was like 40 years going smack and just a 40 year catch up, yeah. Mum, I didn't have to convince because she knew. But I said, you take me for me. And if you're going to introduce me to any of your friends outside in the community, you refer to me as Lee. Don't refer me um, to my old name. Because, and strangely enough, now this is, this is really an uncanny part of... My mum died on the 7th of January, 2014. I changed my name on the 7th of January, 2000. So my, na my old name died with her. So how unreal is that? So that, yeah, that's my, my sort of life in a nutshell. I try and work a lot in the community I'm a community chaplain, so people take me um, for me. And um, who else can go and bugger off? Did you ever consider leaving because you felt that it was just, you know? Yeah, yeah, plenty of times. But I just didn't have the money. I just didn't have the the thing to um, to do that. So, 
What support did you have around you? Nothing in the early days, nothing. No. Just a lot of flack, a lot of, oh, I knew you were gay. Oh, I knew you were this. I, knew, I had my suspicions. Oh, I've got my suspicions. Everything. And it's sort of like I, I was the one that had to wake up. I had to wake myself up and, and identify, you know, and when I did, it was a lot freer. So was it, was it that because you were being finally being, you were finally freed to be yourself, mm. did that, did just that feeling alone help you get through? Absolute, yeah. yeah. Was it just a matter of trying not to let what other people think get you down? How did you cope with? A lot of, oh, now that was hard because a lot of people said hurtful things. You're gay, I don't want you. Um, oh, I don't want no poof to bastards living in my place, you know. I don't want this one, I don't want that, you know. I had doors shut on me. I've, um, I trained as a teacher's aide. And a lot of schools shut the doors on me when I they found um, I was gay. Yeah, that sort of thing. And, yeah, one example I can give was I was on a um, crossing doing the stop-go sort of thing. And this one other lady was doing the same on another crossing close by. And she went in and told the principal I was a pedophile. And... I could have dropped the sign and literally gone over and, and smacked her right out. But I walked over to her and, and I said, don't ever, ever call me a pedophile. I said, I don't, I don't do that. I said, I may be gay, but I, yeah, I don't do that sort of shit. So, yeah, it was, it was people's, people's stigmas, people's thing that they think you know, uh, they can they can just put on you. Yeah, they think because you're gay, you're going you're going to uh, give them some sort of social disease, some something that's uh, like leprosy. You know, but really, as a friend of mine put it, we don't donate blood because our blood sparkles has got too much sparkle. Mm-hmm. And he's right. He's right. You know. Like everyone, I walked into a red blood bank and asked if I could give blood and she said, oh, you have to be um, free of like male to male sex for at least eight, nine months and you have to do this. And I said, oh, and by the way, my blood sparkles too much. And she said, what do you mean like that by that? And I said, well, I've got too much glitter in my blood, haven't I? And I just walked out and I thought, yeah, you know, like these people that are going to be snide and nasty and everything like that, fuck off. You're not worth it. How is it now? Getting better. Yeah. Getting better, yeah. But it's taken 52 years, uh, no, hang on, sorry, 45 years to get better. Yeah, it's a totally um, new world. People are accepting. I'm in a LGBTIQA plus advisory committee 
we've finally got one here in Shepparton in the council. So that opens a whole new window to the um, gay community um, and all of that, yeah. Yeah, it gives us, it gives the people a voice, I reckon. But you've, you've stuck it out here. Yeah. Haven't you? Yeah. Just don't push that one little button because it's the crazy button and I might just, um, uproot and leave. I don't know if I'd, I'd want to. I don't know where I'd go. But you're... How are you now? How are you feeling? I'm living my life and no-one's going to stop it. I don't live in a can't world. I live in a can world. And with everything, everything in the rainbow, everything in the LGBTIQA plus community, you can. You can work it. You can look on it. And you can let it get you down if you want to. But, yeah, it's not worth it. It's not worth getting down so much. Lift yourself up and look on the world. Take off those um, blinders and put on your rainbow glasses and have a look at the world. Because it's fucking incredible out there. What makes it incredible for you? Just, you can be free. You can be free to be yourself. So you're a Christian? Yes. And how long have you been a Christian for? Um, All my life. I was brought up in the Anglican Church and then one day Mum and I had a big fight and I'm walking home from where we lived to my place and um, she, this white car pulls around the corner and she says, well, are you going to get in? And I said, like, oh, mum, oh, okay, so you're talking to me now. She said, I never stopped talking to you, you know. Like, anyway, she, talk, she said, we're going to church and I'll shout you fish and chips. Okay, cool. So everything just goes, not under the carpet, but just goes away. And um, she took me to the Catholic church and I finally found I was home. This is what I wanted. So I did my RCIA, which is Rite of Christian Initiation in Adults, and I'm Catholic. Yeah, and proud of it. And you're a chaplain? Community chaplain. I uh, work in the community and I do a lot of pastoral care. And I always use the motto, love me, love my fleas, because you don't love each, uh, uh, just one part of me, you love every part or none at all. Well, you're doing great work. Thank you by the sounds of it and your attitude is very inspiring so do you feel yeah you feel at home here despite the discrimination that you've had to to bear oh yeah yeah Yeah. look as I said I've got friends that believe in me and friends that don't and those that don't are not um they're acquaintances they're like I'll meet up with them I'll talk to them, but I don't give them my full respect. Do you know what I mean? Like, 
they only get a little bit of me. They don't get all of me. Gotta look after you. Yeah, mm. I'm not letting anyone's shit drag me down. Because you never have, by the sounds of things. <laughs> I've had to fight. I've had to really argue and fight to where I am today. I've had to go through a lot of different different things, different moods, ride, ride people's emotional waves and cop abuse, cop negativity, yeah. And what's pride mean to you? Pride is very special. It means a lot to me. It means freedom. It means I can be myself and it means that I can have people like Damien and Fletcher and, you know, Chris, and they're my supports now. They're my supports. Some people just turn me away from people, but I, you just have to turn around and, um, OK, in a Christian point of view, say, God, I love you, you know, you put these people in my way for something. And if, if they're going to cause any anxiety, any stress, take them away and you deal with them because that's the only thing that I can do. Is there anything else you'd like to share? I think that's about it. Yeah, thank yeah. you so much for sharing You're your welcome. story. Yeah. You're welcome. Are you feeling, yeah. are you feeling okay? Oh, absolutely. Good. Yeah. Great. I'm out in the world and going to use my stealth and invisibility. <laughs> Wonderful. This podcast is released every Tuesday and Friday and could not have been possible without the support of our local community partners, Midsummer and the Fair of Victoria portfolio of the Victorian State Government. Throughout the series, you will hear firsthand the successes, hopes, dreams, fears and struggles of diverse members of our community. Pride Finder, the Rainbow Road Trip was a travelling project commissioned during the 2023 Midsummer Festival as part of the State Government's initiative, Victoria's Pride. Helen Thomas, an award-winning creative audio producer, journalist and queer ally, developed a mobile story studio with the purpose of encouraging connection, cultivating empathy and preserving people's experiences. As much of Victoria's queer history relies on verbal recount, Midsummer, Helen and the Pride Finder connected with regionally living LGBTQIA plus Victorians to help capture their unique stories. These conversations are frank, honest and reflect the language, thoughts, history and opinions of the individual. Views may not be shared by Midsummer or the Victorian State Government. Please keep yourself safe and refer to the show notes for specific triggers related to each episode. If something in this podcast has made you feel uncomfortable or brought up challenging feelings, please seek support from a loved one or from one of the helplines listed at the bottom of the show notes. 